Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Today's show is brought to you by Epsilon and their People Cloud Loyalty Solution, which is a powerful platform that boasts over 50 years converting casual customers into lifetime fans. Epsilon's technology and services operate at the core of the publicist group worldwide, powering brands such as Dell, Duncan, Gap and Walgreens, and their platform is designed to give all of their clients the power and flexibility to create one-of-a-kind emotional connections with their customers. Epsilon's People Cloud Loyalty is a market-leading end-to-end solution, and it is in fact the only company that has been named a leader in both the loyalty technology platforms and the loyalty services providers Forrester Waves in 2019. As you can imagine, I'm delighted to be working with Epsilon and creating awareness of their People Cloud loyalty solution. So if you want more information, visit their website at emia.epsilon.com forward slash let's talk loyalty or drop me an email and I'll put you in touch. That website again is emia.epsilon.com forward slash let's talk loyalty. Now let's get on with the interview. Welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. As you will have heard in the introduction, I am working very closely this year with Epsilon, and I'm delighted to welcome today Joseph Taylor, who's the Senior Vice President of International Operations. Now, Joseph is the Senior Vice President of Technology Operations for Epsilon and has a great background that includes time back in the British Army at the start of his career, followed by an MBA from Henley University, and now over 20 years international experience covering everything from analytics, engineering, operations, and customer relationship management, working for brands such as Nokia and Adidas. So first and foremost, I'd like to welcome Joseph Taylor to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thanks, Paula. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. Fantastic. Great stuff, Joseph. Now, as you know, I start every show asking about our favorite loyalty statistics. So before we get into all of your lovely loyalty background, tell me, what is your favorite loyalty statistic? There are so many statistics that I could quote. Um, My favorite loyalty statistic is the one from Epsilon's analysis of its own clients. And it's, it's about program members and the fact that on average, program members spend three times more than non-members. It's, it's a great statistic for marketers considering launching a loyalty program Absolutely. or those that are looking at refreshing an existing one as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. And the fact that it comes from Epsilon clients as well means you have access to the full, I suppose, overall market and what's going on. Yes, that's right. And it across different verticals as well. Great. Okay. Well, listen, we'll get into all of that. So before we start talking about your current role, tell us about your own loyalty background, Joseph. Sure. Um, so I've been working in customer management for about two decades now, spanning wow. across different different functions. So I started working client-side, working in the technology field, mm. generating customer insights, leading various teams to build and manage digital customer experiences, mm-hmm. and then also designing um, big data platforms for brands such as Nokia and Adidas. Great. And and one of these, for example, big data projects was about sharing fitness workout data um, okay. with global wellness loyalty programs such as Ping, 
pink and rewards and vitality rewards. Okay. Um, there were the, the programs themselves were great examples of how they reward their members beyond just financial transactions. So it's it's got a nice sort of experience to have, and without even having to necessarily push myself into the loyalty field then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from then, I moved on to into the marketing domain, and uh, one of the initiatives that I led and I was added as was uh, rolling out the loyalty program across mm-hmm. a few different markets. Okay. And and from there, I moved to Epsilon, and I was advising, and um, I'm currently advising and supporting other brands on uh, CRM and loyalty. Okay, fantastic. And I remember you telling me previously, Joseph, that um, you ended up, I suppose, wanting to work for Epsilon because um, they impressed you so much during their whole, um, you know, uh, RFP f- uh, phase for the Adidas project. That's right, that's right. So, so Epsilon was one of the vendors that took part in in, in the sort of platform RFP that they had. Um, and and I, at the time was the loyalty program manager for, for Adidas. Um, they came in, they presented their platform, their experience, and also the brands they work with. Mm. The, the, the bit that really impressed me is obviously that they have a very you know incredible amount of focus on performance, on okay. their automation capabilities, and also the number of experts at hand to be able to answer so many different questions, whether they came from finance or procurement or mm-hmm. security, that they just they were able to pull so many different people and, and answered every single question. So it yes. looked quite an incredible, um, you know, company. Um, yeah. And and then an opportunity came up um, to support Epson in growing their CRM and loyalty operations outside of the US. Okay. I, I, I knew their, you know, I knew about their clients. I knew about some of their people and their technologies. So I didn't really want to miss out on it. Yeah. And I thought, right, it, it's, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll apply for it. And, and it's yeah. been an amazing journey ever since. It was quite a great sort of experience. Yeah. And I love what you said there, Joseph, about experts on hand, because I know what it's like, you know, launching a brand new loyalty program and probably most of the time feeling like I really hadn't got a clue half the time what I was doing at the very beginning. So to know that your technology vendor actually has those experts, you know, for all the really nitty gritty questions. And that's amazing to kind of get that sense at the very early stage of a process. It helps, right? I mean, it's such a loyalty is such a broad domain. It's you know, it's it yeah. touches so many different aspects. So I think having access yeah. to so many different people really, really helps you to make sure that you're planning. Yeah. Um, you know, such a, a broad not just budget. exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's a it's a broad budget that you're going to need to make sure you cover. Great stuff. So given your kind of extensive background then, both on the client side and obviously now on the vendor side, what I suppose do you see are the biggest challenges facing brands and clients of Epsilon today? Oh, it's a good question. Um, so, cu- customers are, are very informed about you know points-based reward programs and how they work, and and there are so many of them to choose from, especially in the retail space. Um, but one of the greatest challenges that brands are facing today is how they differentiate and how they innovate their loyalty programs. Mm. We're, we're talking about you know transformation. Really. Mm. It's about how they go beyond just their traditional rewards points based programs mm-hmm. to a more experiential one. And mm. I think this is where the brands can really differentiate. Yeah, I mean there are some great examples out there like Starbucks Rewards, Amazon Prime. They're yeah. building strong emotional brand connection with yes. their customers. Yes. So so to to build such a connection, right? That these marketers are creating unique experiences and services. Yeah. Um, most other brands are, are finding it hard to copy. 
Exactly. And I guess that's the whole point. <laughs> no, 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 that's right. Exactly. It's, it's the purpose of differentiation. So, so what do you say to your clients when they come to you with a client, uh, challenge like that? So, you know, transformation mm-hmm. I hear as a word constantly coming through. And I think every company is talking about transformation, although it's usually uh, ideally planned transformation rather than the current environment. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you say to, to brands, you know, when they're facing these challenges? So when, when we work with brands, I think, you know, one of the things that we definitely do is we take time to listen and understand, I you know, try and identify who their customers are, mm-hmm. understand what the what behaviors their customers exhibit, mm-hmm. but also what can the brands themselves do to influence their members' behavior in mm-hmm. order to build that emotional brand connection. Okay. So when, when we engage with the clients, we want to know what they're trying to achieve out of loyalty marketing. You know, we, we appreciate that, they, that it's a big investment. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that we look just, you know, beyond just the program design. Mm-hmm. Yes, we go into the platform setup, the migration, the operations, right? we go into all of those things. But again, the overall goal really for us is to help them create a sustainable program over time. Mm-hmm. So whilst technology can help, you know, in building the brand comms and in, in generating insights about their members, mm-hmm. we, we really want to help brands create that true loyalty. And, and we do that by starting looking at how do we drive brand loyalty? Mm, lovely, lovely. And I guess, you know, because you've worked um, in, in global roles as well, as you mentioned, you probably mm-hmm. see quite different approach from loyalty programs in different regions of the world. So I'd love to hear any um, learnings, I suppose, that you have from different countries. Sure, you know, very much so. So so when, when we talk about sort of, again, global programs, right? So the context of global programs, Epsilon, we work with a lot of brands that operate globally mm. and, and they require a more adaptable um, strategy and adaptable framework. Mm. So they, they need to look into the differences, the local cultural differences in their mm-hmm. member experience, mm-hmm. but also in the, the engagement plan itself. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to member experience, we're seeing brands investing heavily in, in mobile experiences, mm-hmm. typically fully integrated with wallets and also with payment solutions as well mm. then when it comes to the the engagement part we're also seeing other examples of uh, you know mobile loyalty um mm-hmm. you know again i mean if you look at sort of markets like asia for example they have some really great examples of this um we're talking about managing and and, and building an experience within a mobile ecosystem mm-hmm. where you've got all sorts of different capabilities. You have messaging, you've got payments, you've got rewards, service mm-hmm. and fulfillment. So it's it's quite a nice, interesting environment that perhaps in mm-hmm. places like, for example, Western Europe or in the US, mm-hmm. you don't have such a sort of an all-encompassing um, yeah, ecosystem, you know, mobile environment to, to play with. Absolutely. And I think you specifically said um, China is developing, um, you know, comprehensive solutions within a mini programs. So I'd love to hear a bit more about what you've seen in China. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So in, so in China, I mean, Ch- China has got quite, you know, just like what we've got over here in the US, right, where you've got your Amazons, your Facebooks and your Googles of this world. Mm. You've got a similar sort of um, interesting um, ecosystem, what we call consumer platforms in China as well. You've got the, the Baidu's, the Tencent's, mm. and you've also got, um, you've got your Alibaba's. Um, so you've got yeah, ecosystems that have got you, yeah. they can provide you with e-commerce they can provide you with messaging mm. they can provide you with all sorts of different capabilities all built within an app yeah. so for example with China specifically um, we work with some luxury clients of ours where they are building an entire um, what we call a mini program which is like a mini app mm. built inside WeChat 
mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. Again, why? Because of, within that, they can talk to them, they can mm-hmm. um, take payments from it, they can yeah. provide them very small um, uh, micro rewards, they yeah. can even deliver direct um, mess- you know, direct service, like mm-hmm. customer service, and yeah. they can even provide different forms of fulfillment. Why? Because it's so easy to connect other parties just all within the app. So it's it's quite an amazing um, experience, but again, it's it's yeah. such a different um, uh, design, such a different plan, such a different complete piece yeah. of implementation where it's so different than everything else that you're doing perhaps in other markets. And it sounds like I can hear the passion for loyalty coming through there, Joseph, because, you know, in China, I know what I've also heard is exactly this situation where it's one massive platform and everything is controlled in a completely different way. And yet you probably have the same client that needs to execute in France and Russia and all these other kind of countries as well. So um, the, the geographical diversity must be very interesting to work with. Absolutely, absolutely. And and again, it's going to be hard for you to know everything all the time. And that's also why you rely on the, the yeah. local experts. And perhaps even sometimes you have to partner with others that have got a lot more experience in that in that field itself. And you also need to reach out to the um, the actual consumer platform providers themselves as well, because they also want you to try and innovate and use the latest feature and greatest function. So there's yeah. a lot of collaboration that takes place and, and it's quite a nice, fun yeah. um, environment to work in as well. Yeah. And I always think actually as loyalty professionals, we do get to collaborate a lot. So to your point earlier about, you know, it has to work from a, you know, a technology point of view, it has to work from a commercial point of view and, you know, everything down to the detail of what data can we get. So all the inputs and outputs um, really do give you an opportunity to work across the company. Exactly. Brilliant. Great stuff. So I suppose we we can't go too far these days without referencing COVID-19. And we all know, obviously, loyalty programs are completely designed to be rewarding for consumers and rewarding for the brands themselves. But I do think there seems to be some pressure on, I suppose, the liability and concerns around that Mm -hmm. at this particular time. So what are you actually seeing in terms of loyalty program liability right now? So, we we see different types of um, issues with program liability across um, cl- client programs. I mean, what we're talking about here is the, you know, it, it's accounting for the cost of outstanding unredeemed points here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have we have experience of working with new programs that have got low redemption rates. Mm-hmm. It's usually, you know, there are multiple factors that can cause this, but we can talk about things such as low redemption rates because of their members take too long to earn enough points for the reward. Mm-hmm. or members are not really interested in the rewards that are on offer. Mm. In some cases, even, you know, either mem- members might not be able to access a particular reward because yeah. they're not able to get to, to get it at that particular point in time. Sure. Um, but we're also seeing liability challenges with, with also su- successful programs as well. Mm. You know, as, as the program matures and it becomes more successful, yeah. it's what you'd expect, right? You get people earning more points, Therefore, you're issuing more points as you as, as the program matures. Yeah, there, there are also um, the same would happen for outstanding unused points as well. Mm. Um, and then, typically, as you go up the tiers, then you also get much higher points. And if you're not monitoring it properly, yeah. um, it, you know it, you, the program you know program liability starts going through the roof. Sure. Um, and so, you know, fixing it, it's not something that you could do, you know, quite, you know, very mm. quickly, very easily, right? There are some short tactical things that you could do. Like, mm-hmm. for example, you can create auctions, sweepstakes, you can even introduce low cost rewards, right? To try and encourage yeah. people to redeem a lot more often and, and also reduce your overall liability. Yeah. But 
but you also need to watch out for uh, you know the cost of issuing those reports and also the cost of fulfilling them as well absolutely absolutely but then you you also need sort of a more mid to long-term plan on how you go about smartly managing this liability mm-hmm. um so yeah so when you when you go and start looking into that sort of longer mid to longer term you we're talking about ultimately you know changing the structure of the program we're looking at for example okay. you know changing the rewards catalog a little bit remove some unused unwanted yeah. rewards you know you might want to source more attractive rewards at a cheaper rate you might also want to look at perhaps changing some of the expiration rules around the points piece yeah. or even deferring when you issue the rewards because you want to make sure that you're maintaining a certain level of healthy profit across okay. the program mm. so it's a delicate subject and and we typically sort of again ask clients to partner with their finance colleagues right because you want them to make sure okay what yeah. are we going to measure what we're going to monitor and how are we going to make sure we forecast that liability so yeah. we know that from a business perspective it works for them and it, and it works for uh, for the members as well it's a bit like what um, peter drucker um you know said back <laughs> who yeah. knows how long it was right that what gets <laughs> measured gets yes. managed and, and it's it's what we're trying to encourage our um, clients yeah. to do Absolutely. And I do think right now, actually, it's a particular time where there's possibly more attention coming through from, you know, the C-suite, I suppose, in terms yeah. of the managing value. Costs. Yeah, totally managing costs, but also, I suppose, respecting the the opportunity and the customer relationship where mm-hmm. before it might have been just around sending out offers and promotions and discounts. But now, as you said earlier, actually, it is much more around building emotional connections. And I Correct. think the appreciation that we actually have a loyalty program and a way to talk to our customers i think it suddenly elevates the entire program in a business that that's right that's right it's uh, it's also kind of something that epsilon has been talking about with this whole sort of big l loyalty um concept which uh, which tell you probably have that. also <laughs> yes you mentioned it. it but i i don't know what it means so tell me okay yeah sure no worries so it's um so yeah, the, the the bigger little L concept is, is quite an interesting one. So little L is your traditional points-based program mm-hmm. that offers rewards in exchange for purchase transactions, right? It, there are mm. so many programs out there. They're very very similar from that from that perspective because you know how many purchase transactions you need to you know how many things you need to buy in order mm-hmm. to earn X number of points. Mm-hmm. But then you've also got this the other um, type of loyalty programs. We call them the big L um, programs. And they're an experiential loyalty program. It taps into that emotional connection between the brand and, okay. and the loyalty members. So it's not just about the program, but it's about knowing um, how do you identify your mm-hmm. members mm-hmm. even past, you know, even after transactions or beyond transactions. Mm-hmm. So whether they're uh, talking or following your brand on social, whether it's uh, what they're saying about your service and about your product, right? You're, tr- you're trying to build that emotional brand connection sure. beyond just that one-off transaction. So yeah. so at Epsilon, we spend time with clients to just do just that, is, is to look at their brand identity, understand mm-hmm. what they stand for, mm-hmm. analyze how they connect with their members when they're not transacting, mm-hmm. and also understand what behaviors they want them to exhibit. So then we look at their internal capabilities, we look mm-hmm. at brand assets that they've got, and mm-hmm. what can we use from that to drive that behavioral change? Mm-hmm. Again, to do one simple thing, which is to build that deeper customer engagement mm-hmm. and help them reward their members in a different way that others can't copy. Lovely, lovely. So in future, when I'm evaluating a loyalty program, the first thing to do is check whether the L is a capital L or a little L. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brilliant, brilliant. But I think you're you're absolutely right, Joseph, because we know as human beings, you know, we have a left brain and a right brain and mm-hmm. we evaluate things. I think we sometimes think that we're very scientific and, you know, um, you know, there is a transactional piece which is around, you know, do this and get that, which obviously loyalty programs started from. But I think it's quite a few years now where we've kind of gone, do you know what? That's just very functional. So mm-hmm. if your program doesn't go beyond that into doing something that a consumer actually kind of goes, oh, wow, now I really like this brand. Even if that's a subconscious recognition, I really think that's the type of loyalty that everyone listening to this podcast absolutely is looking to build. Absolutely. I mean, you want to get into loyalty marketing because you want to drive members that are, you know, you want to be able to engage with members that are loyal to your brand, not specifically loyal to your program. Yeah. You, you know, they, exactly. you want to connect with why is it that they they prefer your brand over others, right? There's something either within your, your service, within your experience. It could be also within the products that you offer. But again, mm. you're trying to connect with them differently than just simply it's yeah. all about points and, 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 you know, how many products can I sell you? It's, it's completely different. And again, this is what you see with the likes of Amazon Prime, for example, right? The service that they deliver and the type of uh, emotional connection that they build with people like us, it's, it's, again, it's because of what they deliver. It's something that we can't find elsewhere. It's not something that we can automatically switch. And and there's a different shop on the high street that that can really replicate what they deliver. Absolutely. And you know, I'm even going to rob something you said there, Joseph. I wrote it down. You said, do you want people to be loyal to your program or loyal to your brand? And to me, that is an extraordinary observation, really, because they're, they are literally opposite ends of the goalposts, aren't they? It's like, they are. you know, um, we can all have a program, but that is exactly what your competitors will come along and copy. But if you are loyal to the brand, that definitely it's you're in an entirely different ballpark right there. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. So one of the brands you worked for uh, was Adidas, as you mentioned mm-hmm. already. And you spoke to me before about the amazing kind of customer focus, I suppose, that you saw very much at the top of the company. And you saw amazing stuff that, that went on in their different markets around the world. So tell us about your experience on the Adidas uh, project. Sure. So the Adidas Loyalty Program, is, it's now called the Creators Club. And I think for me, again, it's another great example of a bigger loyalty program. Mm-hmm. It, it recognizes members beyond just you know, their shopping transactions. For example, they, they reward points for, um, you know, to their members for showing how they wear their products on social media. They mm-hmm. even reward them, for example, for providing product and service review because that data is important to the brand, evolve their products, evolve their service. Mm-hmm. They also um, reward individuals for uh, for completing fitness workouts, right? Mm-hmm. Because again, it's all about, um, it ties up into, into, into their mantra of uh, sports changes people's lives, right? So again, it's all about that brand loyalty, that brand affinity. Mm-hmm. So during the time I was there, um, mm-hmm. I was able to run out the program to four different markets. That's mm-hmm. France, Germany, Brazil, and Russia. Okay. Now, as I said earlier, again, you know, running a global program, it's all about paying that special attention to those local cultural differences. Mm. So we had a big rewards catalog to choose from. We were able to test out lots of uh, different techniques on how we get consumers to uh, to react mm. to these different benefits. Mm. So, for instance, in Japan, we know that consumers were much more interested in exclusive limited edition Mm-hmm. Um, products, mm-hmm. but they were less interested in, for example, in getting early access to sales or to promotions. Ah, yes. Yeah. And then on the, 
Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, and but then, I mean, on the other hand, you've got um, a, a different, completely different response mm. when when you look at, for example, markets like Brazil and Russia, where mm. uh, where their members were interested in the special promotions, they were also interested in finding out a bit more about the, these new collections and how do I get special access before everybody else in the markets has right. has access. Yeah. So again, say it's it's kind of you're looking at these different um, local differences between the different markets. Yeah. But it, it goes beyond just rewards. We've also seen that, for example, from a from an engagement perspective, and, and as it's kind of highlighted, um, you know, around the engagement part, for example, mm. in Asia, a lot of the um, a lot of the member engagement was happening through social media channels. Lovely. Where the, again, the brand is promoting community-based um, fitness yeah. events. Okay. Get them to try the products. Get them. To visit the store, get them to talk to other uh, members of the program, and again, you're also using it as a recruitment opportunity as well. So, it completely different, for example, than what we had in, in France, where it was it started off as an initial sort of retail-driven um, loyalty program, and then mm. bit by bit moved to online and so on. So again, it's mm. understanding the differences, because again, you know, it's you, you have to you do your research, you have to understand the different yes. markets, and yeah. you can't assume that one site, you know, one solution is going to fit in all markets. Absolutely. But I, I guess what I'm hearing is um, what you were successfully able to do was identify one underlying technology platform that had the flexibility, features and capabilities to, I suppose, dial up certain things in certain countries, depending on what the consumers are going to react to. That's that's right. That's right. I mean, we, we also kind of need, need to um, remember that there's more to, you know, more to a loyalty program than just the platform as well. Mm. So I think one of, one of the pieces that I want to sort of highlight is that you need to also have a structure that is set up for success. Okay. Um, you know, for, from my experience of um, being involved in a loyalty program, I think you've, you're always going to have your subject matter experts from different functions, whether that's finance, your retail, your e-commerce, your IT mm. colleagues. Mm. But you also need to get on board with the markets, especially if you're rolling out to different markets. You need to understand their needs. Yeah their yeah. challenges, also their own commercial objectives, because whatever you're trying to drive, it needs to make sure it's aligned with theirs as well. Yeah. And then the one big, most important um, piece out of all of this mm. is you also need to have some senior stakeholders who are there. Yes. Who, first of all, they need to believe in your program and the impact that you can achieve with that. But sure. also they're there to help you unblock issues both at the global level and local levels, right? Because there's always going to be lots of multiple initiatives going on, mm -hmm. but you need that one or two individuals, sort of um, senior stakeholders that are able to guide and are yeah. able to unblock things um, at different levels. Great, yeah. And and that makes perfect sense, actually. I can't imagine any loyalty program really, you know, being successful without that level of, you know, senior direction and support. So um, absolutely true. And the other piece, I suppose, that um, we, we see coming through increasingly um, is the, the regulations around data privacy. Mm -hmm. And again, I know you've got amazing experience of all of the different countries and how all of that works. So tell us a bit about uh, your thoughts on data protection in, in, in the current world and how they're impacting sure. loyalty programs. So yeah, so so brands um, like Publicis and Epsilon, um, you know, they operate globally and they have to comply with different privacy regulations. Mm. I think there are about forty-four of them now. Um, wow. Globally, you know, you've got GDPR, right, which we know came into yeah. effect in 2018. Yeah. Then this year is is, is uh, CCPA in California. Okay. I mean, China cybersecurity law, you know, back in 2017. You've got so many of them. Yeah. So uh, as as a as a brand, of course, you need to be monitoring all of these different regulations. But I think you also need a holistic mm -hmm. um, approach, holistic way of how to manage compliance with these different across these different regulations. Mm. Um, and again, obviously, there's a technology aspect of it. You know, and again, how do you manage and 
and process your data? Where do you store it? But also, how do you comply with the various different auditing requirements? Because again, different markets will will have different needs. I mean, GDPR is one thing, which is all about making sure that you know you tell your members how yeah. how you're using their data, how you're processing their data, where you're storing it. But I think you've got markets, for example, like China and Russia, mm. which have even you know more restrictive um, approach. For example, they require you to look to have data stored in the markets, what we call data localization, okay. which makes it a bit harder because again, you're yeah. thinking I'm going to have one big approach and it's going to work, and unfortunately, it it, it doesn't always um, work yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it it definitely poses challenges, but it can also be a win-win for the brand and for the consumers as well, right? So so yeah. I wrote a blog post um, in November last year. Okay on how to effectively how effective privacy management can transform a loyalty program oh nice and and it's based on three principles it's, it's the principles of respect recognition mm-hmm. and protection so okay. so we're talking about the need you know for brands to respect their members to be able to deliver on that value exchange through appropriate personalization so if you you know if i'm asking you for data it's because i want to use it to to you know be more relevant and also to be more personal mm. and then also the importance of protecting their rights as a consumer mm. so again we've collected your data but we're going to try and give you control back as to, okay what do you want me to use and allow me to to leverage from that wow that's Yep, yeah, no, that, that's a really good um, insight. I just wanted to pick up on when you mentioned giving control back. Um, and I remember actually writing about a particular quick service restaurant, in fact, in the UK. Um, and this was, you know, quite recently, I'm going to say in the last six months or so. But it was the very first time that when I wanted to update my, um, my details on their database, they sent me a direct link into access the entire database of my information. And I could literally delete my entire profile, I could update things. And I can honestly say the level of reassurance that I felt from the brand and I suppose just the overall level of trust, knowing that they were Mm -hmm. giving me access to delete if you want to, you know, add whatever you want. You know, just that level of our relationship is something that technology does become an opportunity rather than just, you know, again, legislation is, you know, sometimes seen as something difficult to manage. But I love that you've kind of positioned it as, as an opportunity. It is, it is. And, and again, one of the practical ways we do this is exactly what you said. We, we call it the personal data vault because, again, it's, okay. it's just a space. It's just a space that typically a brand builds either with their own agencies or maybe we help them to do that. Yeah. Again, it's giving the individual members access mm-hmm. to how to manage their preferences, their interests and their wish lists. Right? It. It, yeah. as, as you said, it's just a way of earning respect. But at the same time, you're also being compliant yeah. and in its self-service. So you, they don't need to phone you up or go through yeah. lots of different tickets, right? <laughs> and taking yeah. ages to know, hey, when is this going to happen? Have they really done it? So it's, 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 a, lot, it's, a, lot more, uh, it's yeah. a lot more transparent, I think, as well. Good, good, good. Well, I'm delighted to hear you're recommending that because, as I said, I, you know, obviously study an awful lot of loyalty programs and I've actually only seen it once um, as a consumer. So the more that you guys can push that out and, you know, again, loyalty managers listening, I'm sure will be kind of thinking, OK, can I do that? And, and, and should I do that? Because I think the answer is very much a yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it does work. It does work. And in some cases, yeah. they can go in and update it, which makes your life a lot more easier because you're not yeah. figuring out from something that didn't work. Yeah. You know, the, the members are being proact- you know, proactively managing their own data, which is, which is quite nice. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, listen, we're coming towards the end of the show now, Joseph. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of the final questions, I suppose, first of all, is around uh, resources, because again, we're all here to learn from each other. Um, So I wanted to ask you, where do you keep up to date in terms of loyalty marketing overall? And what resources do you recommend for listeners? Sure. Um, so I, I read a lot of different resources, and you know, like everybody else, you know, I read the papers, I read uh, specific journals, but I think the one that I would definitely recommend is to read the articles published uh, in the Wise Marketer newsletter. Ah, my it, friends. It, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're brilliant. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's filled with the latest loyalty news, right? It comes out yeah. regularly, um, yeah. and you get to hear about lots of different programs from around the world. Mm. They also publish some loyalty research and insights from different sectors as well. So I think it's useful not just for specific mm. verticals like retail, but, you know, it, it Goes, yeah. It cuts across a lot of different domains. Yeah. Then, I mean, it's also how I, by the way, came across to learn about your um, Let's Talk Loyalty podcast. I think ah. I think it's one of the best podcasts I came across, to be oh. fair. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Joseph. That's well, very sweet of you. <laughs> it's, uh, no, it's a pleasure. I mean, it, you know, we get to learn new things from different loyalty professionals, right, each week. And I think that's yeah. quite nice. I mean, you've had, for example, um, Simon Rolls before as well, who was talking again about um, loyalty innovation and yeah. some of the different startups he works with. So each week, you've got somebody different completely different topic and again it's all related but again you always pick up those little nuggets so you know thank thank you for that i think it's oh. a, it's a great resource and i hope um yeah your listeners and others will, will start sort of you know tuning in a lot more and, and doing a lot more research around this field thank you there are lots of um, insights being published by various marketing uh, market research agencies around mm-hmm. the changing consumer behaviors You've yeah. got, uh, you know, agencies like Nielsen, IRI, Kanta, YouGov, and, and even Ipsos. Um, okay. Each year, these these reports will have some information about some market research they've done mm. about the shopping behaviours, but also what do they think about loyalty programmes? And we've seen some of these reports, for example, recently around, you know, what do millennials think of loyalty? What do millennials, you know, how do yeah. millennials shop differently than everybody else, right? Yeah. There are always these little nuggets to take away from from these reports. And again, you can apply those in the loyalty program. So I think there's a practical aspect yeah. in this whole piece. And then, then, you know, finally, we've also got the, you know, uh, being an, an Epsilon employee, I've also got the privilege of getting internal updates from some of the yeah. clients that we work with globally. And again, mm-hmm. it's, it's about, you know, how do I explore a lot more about how the different programs are performing yeah. and how they keep innovating them as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's also a really good point. There's, you know, just, I suppose, um, an opportunity to to stay curious. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I hear coming through from your side. Like you you love to see what's going on in all the various programs and see how that applies to the rest of your, your clients. Absolutely. It's, it's such a creative um, domain, right? It's You have to constantly keep an eye out on, you know, yeah. finding out different techniques, see how others um, have solved different problems, and then again, test yeah. them out and see whether they work for you or not as well. So yeah, right. absolutely. Okay. So listen, I'll make sure um, in the show notes to put in your own blog post that you wrote last November, Joseph. So we'll make sure to do that. And then all of the um, resources that you recommended, such as Kantar and YouGov, again, they're on my radar, but not everybody listening might have come across them. So we'll we'll definitely link to those. And of okay. course, to, to the Epsilon EMEA website. Um, so there's links through to all of the, um, the resources available from Epsilon directly. Perfect. So I think that's it from my side, Joseph. Is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? No, I think I just wanted to sort of um, just finish up by saying that 
there are some great marketers out there doing some amazing work to refresh and, and reinvent their loyalty programs all the time. Mm. I think in the, in the light of the current challenges, you know, whether it's to do with the economy, whether it's Brexit or any other sort of crises, right? Yeah. Loyalty programs are still going to be an effective way for a brand yeah. to communicate and build those long lasting relationships with their, with their best customers. Mm. So, so I, I honestly encourage loyalty members to, to mm. look at their members beyond just their purchase transactions. Yeah. And again, see what brand assets you've got and mm. then find out, learn how to build that emotional, you know, use mm. them to build the emotional bond mm. to create a brand equity. Yeah. It's, it's what we call big L and it's the true loyalty, honestly. Love it. Love it, Joseph. Okay, well, listen, I've learned loads. Um, really enjoyed uh, talking to you about all those amazing stories. Um, so certainly from Let's Talk Loyalty, want to say thank you so much to Joseph Taylor. Thanks, Paula. Thanks for having me. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training, both online and in workshops around the world through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 150 executives in 18 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out www.thewisemarketeer.com and www.loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show. Music